welcome to Well Far, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. So put on your trainers, plug yourself in, let's get going. Hello everyone and welcome back to Wellfar. I hope you guys have all had a brilliant training week and you're not feeling too anxious about the marathons which are now on the horizon. Just remember it's the journey and enjoy it. If I sound a little funny or potentially you might be able to hear people in the background, it's because this week's podcast comes to you from a meeting room that I'm using during my lunch break at Women's Health. Why, I hear you ask, Well, it's because at the moment I need to make the best use out of each hour in my day as otherwise I can't fit everything in, which leads me nicely onto this week's blog. I put out on Instagram this week, what was the one question you'd like to ask me about my marathon journey? And fitting it all in was one of the top questions. So there you go, guys. You've just had my answer. I plan out my days and I use every single hour. But that wasn't the only question that you had. So here are my fave ones. Have I ever had to give up a session for work and did I feel guilty? Of course, yes. There are so many times in the week when curveballs are thrown my way and I can't necessarily do what I'd planned to do. However, because I do have a plan in place, when things get thrown up, I have to work late or something else comes my way, then I can look at my plan and I can move it around if I need to because I know what I need to do in that week. However, feeling guilty for missed sessions is something which I no longer do because I don't not do a session because I don't want to. I only do a session if I physically can't. So I don't feel guilty when I can't because there is just something else in life which needs my attention. I am training for the accomplishment of doing the marathon, but I am not running because I'm part of Team GB. (laughs) So there you go. What's easier slash harder training for a second marathon? So I think I've come into this marathon knowing that there isn't really a perfect training cycle and that's because you just can't predict what's going to happen in life. So I think with my second marathon, what's easier is being able to go with the flow a bit more because I know exactly what I need to be doing rather than feeling very overwhelmed by everything that you need to do on a marathon training plan. What do I find the best balance of exercise in a week? So my best balance of exercise in the week goes like this. On a Monday, I'm doing a speed session, whether there is a track or on a treadmill. On a Tuesday, I'm doing a strength session in the gym. On a Wednesday, I am doing a tempo run, which is progressive distances and different speeds. And actually some Wednesdays, I'm starting my day with a very, very chilled yoga class. On a Thursday, I am back in the gym for another strength session. On a Friday, I'm doing a shakeout run, or some people call it recovery run, and that's somewhere around five miles. And then on a Saturday, that's my long run, where I will add 10% to the distance of the week before, unless it's a back off week, which means that I've taken the mileage right down to help my body recover. Sometimes I don't always do those training sessions on those exact days, but that is kind of the plan that I've been sticking to. Next question, where is my hydration vest from? This is one of the most asked questions ever. 
in my Instagram inbox. Mine is, I think it is by a brand called Nathan and it just fits me really, really well. So that is why I wear it. How do I meal prep? I'm not tracking my food or weighing anything, but I do have a good grasp of what I need to be eating in the week from doing different kind of like food principles in the past. What I generally do is try and make a big batch of something on a weekend. So at the weekend, I made delicious Liella's sweet potato and courgette curry. I also put in their cauliflower and I put in some spinach because I like to add a few more veggies. And then I have that in my house or at work as my kind of big hearty main meal. I also portion some off and put it into a freezer. So on a Wednesday night when I run home and generally I don't get home to around half seven, quarter to eight, I'm generally cold. I just wanna have a shower and then I wanna sit down and eat. So I like to have my food prepped that can just go straight in the microwave and is ready in three minutes. So one of those kind of curry one pot meals is the type of thing that I prep on a Sunday to eat all week. What gels and protein powder do I use? I'm a bit of a creature of habit. So when I find a brand which works for me, I generally stick to it. So for gels, I've been using SIS, which is science in training most on most of my runs, actually pretty much 98% of my runs. I'm currently fueling around every five miles because that's what seems to work for me. If I don't fuel around five miles, I seem to slow down and struggle. So for me, I have an SIS gel around every five miles. And when it comes to protein powder, I have two brands which I regularly fall back on when I'm either short of time or I know that kind of a meal is a bit protein light and I want to put a bit more in. And so I use Form Nutrition because I really, really, really like their chalky peanut butter mix. Or I use Veja because they have one which has loads of greens in it. So if I'm putting it in a shake in the morning, I will have the Veja with the greens because I will add in more spinach, a banana, some almond milk and some ice. How do I deal with blisters? Okay, so I don't want to sound smug here, but I don't get blisters. And I don't think I get blisters anymore because I have invested in really decent running socks, which is something that Emma Kay spoke about in episode one. I also tape up my toes before running. Last year I did lose a toenail or two and I found out that's because my toenails were getting bruised. So I just use surgical tape and I tape up a couple of the toes which I know can kind of get knocked or become a bit stressed on long runs. How did I get over injury? Okay, so I got over my running injury by stopping listening to my body and seeking some help. I went and I did have a session with a trainer called Luke Worthington who helped me realise that actually I was getting a calf problem because my left glute wasn't working quite so well in certain positions when running. So I'm currently doing a lot of glute strengthening exercises to basically take the load of my body so that my calf doesn't kick in. Do, do, do get in touch if you want to know anything else. Before we go into the studio, just a couple of quick shout outs. So well done to Suzanne, H88, who completed her longest run this week all by herself. Go you. And also a shout out to Becky Yeats, who got a half marathon PB. I love hearing your running stories, so do keep sharing them on Instagram using hashtag welfare. And don't forget, you can also leave them in the comments and review section on your podcast platforms. Right then, that is definitely enough from me. I have gone way over this week on my podcast blog. So let's head into the studio and hand over the chat to this week's guests. <laughs> 
This week, I'm so excited to welcome Ewan into the studio. Ewan is the Herbal Director at Pucker, and he has a background in clinical medicine and pathology. When not creating the delicious tea recipes at Pucker, you'll find him working on medical journals and studying for a doctorate in gastro-medicine. Ewan also works in an NHS practice in central London, which has integrated herbal medicine within the practice. So welcome, Ewan. Hello. So kick us off with telling us a little bit about your background and experience because I'm trying to wrap my head around how herbs and medicine plus tea, how does it fit together? Okay, well I started off life as a lawyer working in the city of London, I was a litigator and uh, quickly realised that wasn't quite what I wanted to do with my life so decided to pursue something that really, really sparked a passion within me and I decided it was medicine but I didn't want to go back into just normal medicine so I studied medicine but I sort of majored in looking at how natural compounds work within the body and if you look back through history medicine at one stage was just herbal medicine really all we used to look after our body to support our physiology to cure illness was plants it would that was our medicine so it's just that as chemical and pharmaceutical synthetic medicine has developed the two have diverged slightly but they're still basically the same concept so we think about plant power as like quite a new concept, but actually it's really not. No, it's no, it's, it's everything we're built on. And you have to remember that we still say about 70% of the medicines we use in primary care, so in general practice and in hospitals, are based on natural compounds. So it still goes back. Aspirin is just a natural compound from a willow tree. Amazing. And so what is herbalism? So herbalism is the study of herbal medicine. And if you were really, really simple about it, you'd say, you know, a GP, if they prescribed plants, would be using herbal medicine and acting as a herbalist. But really, there's a lot more to herbalism now because we think about what's missing from medicine in in a lot of the way we treat people is that GPs are so time constrained. You've got seven minutes to see a patient and medicine's all about treating a pathology or treating an illness more Mm. than it is about treating the person. So in herbal medicine and in herbalism as a kind of practice, you look at trying to treat the person. So if you come in to me with a headache and 10 other people have come to see me that day and haven't had a headache, I'm trying to work out. So why are headaches bad with you and Mm. not causing a problem for these other people? So I start to examine you, your body, how you react with the world, your relationships, how you are at work and all of those, what kind of things you're eating as well to see if I can get clues as to what's going on with your body. Uh, So it's an understanding of the person as well as the illness. So then you take your background in plants and medicine and apply it to the tea formulas at Pucker. Yes. So you must remember that Pucker was established in about 2001 and when it was set up it was set up by Tim and Seb and Seb is a an Ayurvedic doctor and has studied all forms of things like Chinese medicine etc and the whole idea was to use plants to connect people to nature and connect them to their well-being and their health so all of the teas we make all of the supplements we make and now we're going to move into making things like lattes etc it's all about making natural products that contain plants that support your health support your well-being in a really gentle but super effective way it's just using herbal medicine in a gentle dietary fashion because at the moment i feel like us runners need all the support we can get (laughs) (laughs) so if i came to you right now and said that i'm really fatigued i'm a bit achy what would be the best herbs i could be adding into my diet or using 
So I'm going to take a little step backwards. I'm going to yeah. say I'd look at you before I looked at the herbs. Okay. So you could be running alongside three friends, Sarah, Kate and Joan, let's say, <laughs> if you have a friend called Joan. <laughs> and all of you might suffer in different ways or have different effects from running the same distance on the same kind of road, etc. Because you're built differently. You're different builds in terms of your sort of physiology. Your metabolism might be different. The way you sleep might be different. So... I'd be looking at that first and trying to work out why, you know, why are you getting sore knees, etc. And then I'd move on to thinking about what kind of herbs we could use. And if I were to get specific about herbs, I'd be thinking about herbs that work as anti-inflammatories, herbs that help your circulation, really, really helpful, anti-spasmodics that reduce sort of muscle tightness and things like that. Yeah. You would also use herbs that act as tonics to strengthen you. And there are a special class of herbs called adaptogens, and they're getting a load of press at the moment. They're quite interesting medicines and, and will develop probably into pharmaceutical medicines at some stage. And adaptogens are herbs that help your body adapt to stress. And remember, exercise is as much of a stress to your body as being shouted as is, is to your mind. So, yeah. It's funny, I think we forget that often, like actually, like you've just said, exercise is also a stress on the body, it's just a different type of stress. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be a very, very good stress. But any stress that's there for a long period of time and is prolonged, which marathon training is, Mm. does take its toll in other ways, because some parts of you will adapt very quickly, like muscles will adapt quite quickly to stress. They build themselves and become bigger so that they can take more of the weight of a stressful activity. Bones have more difficulty doing that. And so do other parts of your body. So there are certain parts you need to support more than others. What herbs or plants fit under the adaptogens umbrella? So one of the best adaptogens you could use for stress would be something like ashwagandha. And that gets quite a lot of attention at the moment as well. It's a really interesting herb. And we've done quite a lot of research on that in-house. And there's a lot of research literature done by universities and medical practices as well. And shows how it acts on certain proteins within the body to help them do things like reduce your heart rate. Mm. reduce your blood pressure and basically help you adjust to stress that is uh, putting pressure on your body. Amazing. And are there any plants or herbs which help boost energy? Yes. Probably one of the most well-known would be something like a ginseng. You get different types of ginseng. You get Korean ginseng. You get Siberian ginseng. The Korean ginseng is probably the most potent one. It's called a Panax ginseng, if you go to the Latin name. And that has ginsenicides in it, and they are adaptogenic compounds as well. So they have the same kind of effect, but they're pretty strong. They're pretty pokey things. You take them for shorter periods of time, and they help your body recover from pretty severe stress. Yeah, because I was about to say, and how about rest and recovery? Like, is there anything we should us runners should definitely be adding into our kind of weekly lifestyles to help enhance our rest and recovery from running. Yeah. If you think about your sort of energy and your ability to adapt to things is like a vase that's full of water. And as you train throughout the day and over days, weeks, months, you pour water out of that vase. You need to pour it back in to keep it topped up and your Mm. energy levels and your vitality strong. Sleep is one of the most important aspects of that. So a good quality sleep good duration of sleep and also sleep that's unimpeded by other things going around as well you know really taking time for yourself is super important and herbal medicine works fantastically for that so valerian is one of the key herbs for that it's a central nervous system inhibitor it just relaxes you you can buy like pucker teas we put it into our nighttime tea and we also put it into the supplement as well and you get a very gentle form of relaxation from it which does help you your quality of sleep this is a good time for me to ask you about turmeric actually and a bit of myth busting Does turmeric help with recovery or not? Because it's obviously been in and out of the news. Some saying yes, some saying no. I can tell you 
100% yes. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you can put your mind at rest. There are thousands of clinical papers out there that show that turmeric works incredibly well as an anti-inflammatory. I think if you sit down and talk to any doctor of medicine and show them the evidence behind turmeric, they're going to say, absolutely. It works just like a, a medicine as an anti-inflammatory. It if you want to get very technical, it impedes a an inflammatory cascade, a rachidonic acid cascade called cyclooxygenase, which is the same COX inhibitors you might have heard of. It's the same inflammatory pathway that uh, aspirin or ibuprofen break down as well. So it works in a very similar way to those. And it is undoubtedly effective. And so much so that we've actually started doing research with Tel Aviv at university and a hospital in Tel Aviv to look at how it affects all kinds of aspects of physiology, particularly looking at bowel polyps uh, and things like that as well. So it has not just anti-inflammatory activity, but it also has potential anti-cancer activity. It reduces your blood fats and regulates your blood sugars. I mean, all kinds of things that are really, really important to people who are into the exercise. Mm. Yeah, I think we um, I think we do spend a lot of time and a lot of energy thinking and focusing on the fitness side, but then probably not spending the same amount of time on the recovery side. Yeah, I think that's very, very true. It's easy to push yourself in life, isn't it? And mm. everything seems to call for you to push yourself, whether it's at work or in your relationships or just at the weekend going out, you know, making the most of your free time. <laughs> Everything's pushing you to do stuff and there's little push for you to just take some time out. But I think if you're going to mix herbal medicines in as a way of doing that, it's important for people to think about using the whole herb and not to go for sort of random extracts and all those kind of mm. things. Good herbal medicine that's of pharmacopoeial grade, so it needs to have the right active constituents in it. And this is my big message for the whole thing as well. Try and find organic, good quality herbs. It's really important that they don't harm the, harm the planet. You know, do good to yourself and do good to the planet at the same time. I'm just going to go back a little bit because I think you touched on quite a lot of things there but do you have any tips or advice for dealing with stress and anxiety I asked this as well because you are sat in a half lotus position coming <laughs> like the least stressed person I feel that I've met this week so I feel like you must know about this well that's a compliment thank you very much <laughs> there are lots of different aspects to it I think again taking a little step backwards if you want to do your best in any activity you need to strengthen yourself, strengthen your body and strengthen your mind, because those are the bits that guard you against any kind of external damage from stressors. So that means eating properly, mm. so important, good quality, organic food. Um, it means getting proper rest and relaxation, which we've touched on before. And it also means being comfortable within yourself. And then looking at your, do you know, one of the most informative things I've done in a long time was when I started to look at Ayurveda. And that's the Indian form of herbal medicine. And they break down people into whether they're kapha, whether they're pitta or whether they're vata, they're constitutional types. And I'm a very pitta vata kind of person, which means I carry quite a lot of fire and drive, but I'm also quite flighty and creative and a little bit anxious at the same time. So knowing those tendencies within myself, and it's very easy, if you go to the Pucker website, you can do the dosha quiz and it will tell you which dosha you are. Then you can start to adapt your lifestyle a little bit to find things that help to sort out the, the outer balance parts of your body. And I've done quite a lot of that. And that's really helped me actually centre myself quite a bit. Has it? Yeah, it really has. How long have you been doing that for? The Ayurveda side I've been doing for about three years now. I think it's a very good way for people to understand their bodies a lot better. But it's just another way of looking at the world and another way of looking at how human bodies work. We're all different. And it's, an, it's just a way of appreciating those differences. All of us eat different types of foods. And when we eat them, we find that we don't react terribly well to them. Or certain type of lifestyles don't suit us. One person can 
can be great going out all night drinking and partying. Another person, that really saps their energy and, you know, it takes them a long time to recover. So it's just understanding yourself a little better. And for me, I so, I live it because I live talking to people about their health and I lecture to students about pathology and clinical medicine. So all of that is a whole world for me. It all wraps itself into it. And I think most people really enjoy hearing about themselves and understanding themselves a little bit better. And I think if you just take that philosophy of... I'm just going to care for myself. I'm going to look after myself a little bit. I think this is an easy way to do it, just to understand your dosha a little bit better. Yeah. And do you find people are more receptive to that message now than 10 years ago? Definitely. Although it depends <laughs> on who you talk to. Um, so if I talk to medical students, they can find it a little bit difficult to get their head around the idea. But most people, if they open their mind a little bit and just, just think about it, will. I think it's difficult to find a fault and say that it doesn't talk sense in it, in its basic principles because it's really just talking about humanity yeah I just think back to my 14 year old self and both my mum and my grandmother are yoga teachers and I remember at 14 my mum being like come to yoga it's really going to help and I remember just writing it off thinking it was so different that in my head I was like that's wacky it's weird I'm just not doing it fast forward six no 18 years, God, I thought I was 30 still then. I'm not. Um, <laughs> and and now I've experienced it and realised actually how alternative medicine can really help you. And like yoga obviously really has helped my life. And so it's not wacky and weird. It's something which really, really has helped me live the London lifestyle, keep it in balance. And again, it's, it's exactly what you say. It's about the balance side. And we used to think that exercise was all about, which I'm very guilty of doing myself, going to the gym and lifting heavy things and feeling like you're getting bigger and bigger. But there's a balance side to that. And something like the gentle discipline of yoga, which actually teaches you control as much as strength, yeah. is really, really important. And if we take that back to people who are learning about marathon running and the maybe training especially for the first time as well, and you're looking for guidance, one of the things to think about is balance. If you're putting your body through a lot of stress and you're doing a lot of hard activity on it you need to balance it with something else something that gives you the core strength as well as the strength of the big skeletal muscles like legs and stuff like that and your bum which becomes really big and strong you also want your core muscles that support the rest of you through that 25 26 miles of running to be strong as well so things like swimming yoga pilates all of those things really really do help and then building on top of that your rest your diet and your mental strength as well because there's a lot of mental strength in doing all of that training What's the best tea for runners at the moment to be drinking both before and after long runs? Is there one or is it just kind of what takes your fancy? Well, it's funny you should ask that. <laughs> the last tea that we made is is for uh, people who do a lot of activity. So we've got a tea called Turmeric Active. Yeah, I know it well. You do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it works on the principles I was talking about before, which is it has gentle anti-inflammatories in it from the turmeric. Mm. It also has uh, herbs in there that help with your digestion as well. So believe it or not, the most popular herbal medicine in the whole world is something called Trifla, which is an Ayurvedic Indian herbal medicine. It just hasn't made it over to the UK quite so much but it does help it's used as the engine oil for digestion and it really helps you get the most out of your food so there's trifla in there and it also has two different types of ginger a galangal and a, a regular ginger you come across and those help with your circulation they also work as anti-inflammatories as well so as a whole formula and quite often we tend to use herbal medicines as formulae rather than as as just simple compounds it works incredibly well and drinking that three times a day that will help quite a bit and then something like the nighttime tea before you go to sleep is absolutely perfect. If you want to 
do something a little bit stronger, you can move on to supplements. So things like the ashwagandha supplement will help to rest the mind and really does work terribly well for uh, just relaxing an anxious uh, mind, especially at night. Um, and you can take the turmeric active supplements on top of it if you like. Okay. I'm sat here feeling a little bit smug, I'm not going to lie, because I'm having both of those. So although I'm not up to three cups yet of my turmeric active, but I am <laughs> having a cup. When I come in off a run, I am freezing. Mm. But the first thing I do is get in an ice bath because I really struggled with inflammation last year. So ice baths for me are really important. But I make a cup of tea before getting in the bath. So I sit there for as long as I can in the bath of ice with my hot tea. And it's my turmeric active. You're quite hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really impressed. Well, I I kind of conditioned myself to it last year because the year before when I did a lot of running, I got shin splints. And it was also because I was doing long runs and then I was going into a hot yoga class. And I think it just didn't suit my body. Mm. And so I really, really struggled. And so... Someone at the time said, try doing ice baths when you come in off a run. And I honestly thought, oh, my God, they're mental. I really can't do that. And then so I did it the first time. I probably lasted all of like three seconds. <laughs> I was like in, out, screamed. Um, and then the more I did it, the more I've got used to it. But if I can't do ice baths, um, <laughs> this is another thing I do. I've got wine coolers, which I put in the freezer. And then I will come in and I'll slip them over over my legs. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they've got no bottom, you know, just the round ones. Yes. Slip them on my legs and have a cup of tea. That's brilliant. I'm going to next time I'm in the in the general practice, I'm going to recommend this to people who come in with shin splints. I've never heard of it. I think it's brilliant. I mean, yes, I don't think there's been any research done into it, but I can say <laughs> the one person study, which is myself, the results are pretty good. <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to have ask you my one question, which I've been asking every guest on my podcast. If you could give this year's runners one ultimate tip, what would it be? I think it's probably what we've talked about all the way through and it's balance. Okay. And I feel like I'm harping on a little bit about it, but the body loves patterns. The body likes to feel that it knows what it's doing and it can make an efficient use of its energy resources because the energy resources, they are finite. They don't go on forever. So it's about working out your body how you think it responds to the external environment and what you can best do to your body to to look after it and to find that balance between the hard work and the rest, the good food and the enjoyment of going out at night. You know, it's all about that balance. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing all those nuggets of information and really, really reminding me of how powerful herbs can be in a healthy journey. I know there's going to be so many people at home thinking, God, that sounds interesting. How can I find out more or how can I get in touch with you? So where can our listeners do that? Well, I am just one of a team of experts that work at Pucker. We have educators, we have researchers, we have people who have written the seminal textbooks on herbal medicine that are used at schools all across the the world. Um, So go to the Pucker website, www.puckerherbs.com, and there's a whole world to explore there, which will teach you about your dosha, teach you about herbal medicine, and introduce you to all kinds of people. And I'm sure you can find my details there. I also work at the uh, Marylebone Health Centre, which is an NHS general practice that's at the top of Marylebone High Street. And anyone's welcome to come in and see me there. Uh, We take private patients as well as NHS patients. So if you've got marathon woes and you want to come and chat with them, I'm very happy to help. Amazing. We'll see you there. (laughs) 
today, guys, I am going off on a run with Georgie Bruin Vales, who is on my radar for two reasons. Number one, I think she's got the fastest marathon time I've ever come across for a woman in, in real life. And number two, she's doing some amazing research into marathons and menstrual cycle and is part of Fitter app. So, hello, Georgie, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Shall we set our watches? Do you, yes. are you gonna track this? I'm, I'm tracking everything at the moment because it seems to me that every every mile counts in my marathon training. Well, you can now integrate your watch. If, you, if you've got Strava, you can integrate that into our app now. Ah. As of last week, so it's all very exciting. And so Fitter Women is an app which tells you how to exercise. Yeah. Based on your menstrual cycle. Yes, and eat as well. Okay. Um, and it also, like, we found that a massive winner has been helping educate women about what's going on in their body so maybe like one day you might feel not so great when you're out for a run why we'll go into the app and then like we explain it so it could just be that your hormones have changed or are at a certain point where they affect the way you feel so whether it's symptoms whether it's your breathing harder whether it's you just don't have much energy you know there's so many different factors that can get in the way and we, like our aim is to help you understand that, but also like help you to be proactive around it. So on no one day do I want someone to be like, oh no, I can't do what I want to do. We want to help you to do the best that you can. And how does it get all the information? So you log your symptoms, you log whether you're menstruating or not, and when you're menstruating. And then we've kind of built some algorithms into the app to calculate where you're on your menstrual cycle. And then you literally flick in day by day information based on that. Um, and it also like pre kind of predicts when your next cycle is going to fall so you can be repaired. It's funny, isn't it? Because you, you think you know when your yeah. period is coming and half the exactly. time it takes you by surprise. Yeah. And I just think as like a woman, you're in a really cool place. Your body is changing the whole time. We always bemoan it and we're like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating, blah, blah, blah. But actually, having this information means that you can actually mix things up in the right way to suit your body. And have you worked that into your own training? Because you are a marathon runner yeah. with a very impressive time under your belt, which I believe okay. is 2.37. Yes, it is. Really, wow. really want to make it better, but it's okay. Um, yes, I have. And like, I think for me, that's the biggest thing, like, I feel I can see the benefits had with me and the athletes I work with. So I work with a range of different like elite athletes, but also, you know, women come to us and ask for advice and seeing how this information can be applied and like how effective it is, is actually just so rewarding. And we really want to help as best we can women to make informed decisions and just to, you know, be proactive and again, not just constantly fighting. And how did you go about training for a 237 marathon? <laughs> how long have you been running for? Okay, so, <laughs> I guess, like, from a very small kid, I was, like, that one who would just run around everywhere and be, like, keen from an endurance perspective. But it wasn't until I was, like, 18, I guess, when I left school that I was, like, I actually love running. And three years ago, I joined my now coach, to focus more on marathons specifically because I just like I don't know Sunday long run is like my day I look forward to it all week and yeah like that was it yeah I was just like you know 
I actually really want to do this, but I don't just do marathons because it's really important to do like shorter stuff as well. And you can't be in like constant marathon training because like that's too risky for your joints, the constant pounding. And also like, I think mentally, you want to be like really on it for a marathon build up. You don't want to just be going marathon to marathon to marathon. So yeah, I do other stuff as well, but. And so (laughs) how does your research then fit in with your marathons because they obviously inspire each other oh massively yeah and I think because you so at Fitter Women you obviously help people with their hormones yeah and go alongside them and not fight them but then yeah you also are doing a PhD I finished my PhD oh, you finished your PhD yeah, and that was in you. menstruation and yeah and marathons. I menstruation female athletes and iron deficiency and how do they all what is the thing that links so, them all together basically like when you do exercise, women in general are at greater risk of iron deficiency because they menstruate. Typically, they don't eat as much red meat, etc., as men would. Um, and also, like exercise can cause when you sweat, when you're like pounding the ground, gastrointestinal like issues which you get. They cause iron loss. So, like small amounts of iron are lost naturally when you exercise. So then, add in menstruation. I didn't the fact that women don't typically eat that much iron or iron-rich foods. The risk of iron deficiency has really increased. So <laughs> they all fitted together nicely. Okay. And it's like a, a passion of mine anyway, like iron status, because like I've got a history actually of having like way too much iron. So learning and understanding about that is like really important um, and getting the right messages across. So yeah, that made up my PhD. Wow, because iron deficiency is linked to tiredness, isn't it? It can be, yeah. So often, if you're iron deficient, you will be really tired. But I think my big take home from all of the research I've done is that you shouldn't just think, okay, I'm iron deficient because I'm tired. I'm going to take some tablets because taking tablets when you don't need them isn't the right approach at all. You want to get a blood test. Um, And also, if you do take tablets, there's definite advice that like less is more so it's not just a, a question of ah, oh, like I spoke to someone who was like I'm having three tablets a day and that's not the ideal approach because taking too much basically stops absorption so it can actually have like the opposite effect right so it's really important to like firstly have your iron levels checked and secondly like make sure you're not like overdoing it and there's also other things about absorption around exercise and training like you want to make sure that you're having iron like away from training because the inflammation post exercise can prevent iron absorption so it's all very interesting and so if you're iron deficient i'm, I'm interested by the findings that you found out does yeah. that mean that poor you're at risk of poor performance yeah definitely if you're iron deficient yeah and then and similarly like we were heavy bleeders which again was like a big research area and more likely to be iron deficient and then more likely to have negative performance implications and like it's all very like interlinked so I think again it's like a massive awareness piece and it comes back to the menstrual cycle like people just understanding what these potential things they need to be aware of are and just understanding their own body like the biggest thing that we can do is like empower women I think you know female empowerment is such a big thing right now and can we help women learn about 
their body learn like when do they need to seek medical help or you know when are they fine when can they press like when can they push and I think that's so important and what generally are the kind of findings around that for instance like if somebody wants to if somebody's marathon training so our listeners now yeah. is there a generally a better time to be doing long runs on your cycle than yeah, shorter so, runs so research has shown that in the second half of your cycle it's better to do longer runs um, just because of the way you metabolize food so you like break down food and use it but i personally think that's more of a like how you feel because when you're marathon training like you kind of you do need to get your long runs in so it's more about understanding that you know i'm like day two of my cycle i may not feel so able to like cope with endurance today but then like, a big thing is to okay well how can i get to the point where i feel like i can so let's look at my fueling let's look at my other lifestyle factors so i can still train today and show up effectively I guess being an athlete the thought of like having to miss a session or miss a training day is like the worst thing ever but then at the same time like I totally appreciate that some days you know I've got to like let my body be but if race day is that day then it's not like I can say oh I'm gonna have to race next week instead because it just doesn't work like that I'm a strong believer in not like intervening with the natural process if you can avoid it so not taking pills back to back yeah. and that type of stuff it's a case of like a bit of give and take but also like you know if a cycle out you've worked out the race day you are going to be on like a particularly bad day then well i think you should really train on that day you know follow the advice in the app work out what works for you because obviously everyone's different but you can't just turn up on race day and be like well let's just ignore this because your body is telling you something so and how did you how did you and your fitter woman team get the information around what people should do so it's all like evidence-based information so okay all of the information has been like tested in exercising women and published in scientific journals being a researcher that's like very important to me Um, and it's important from a credibility perspective and you know we've worked with a lot of athletes to really see that this information works in practice um, which is really cool actually women's health and fitness is really like picking up I think it's like the fastest growing sector right now but it still gets like what five percent of the media coverage it's still very much viewed in a different light so I feel like this is part of like a, a real movement that I really want to keep pushing both from like let's drive female research forward but also let's get women to feel like proud feel like they can do it no barriers and just like educate as many people as possible so I think they surveyed like 10,000 13 to 15 year olds found that 42 percent do not exercise when menstruating that's crazy like not only that like, we know that women drop out of sport at twice the rate of boys through puberty yeah things like that are just like crazy so by tackling that i feel that was going to have massive like long-term health implications but also just like general like well-being and perception as well i think that's really important so that's one aim like participation and education increasing education understanding to as many people as possible 
performance so working with women to like just help them get the most out of themselves um and then finally research like obviously research is my big thing and i want to like just keep driving this area forward like so is there a big disparity in funding for massive women's versus men's research yeah and so that's my next point like so historically research wasn't done in women so in um in the u.s 80 percent of medical drugs are withdrawn from the market because there were side effects on women because they were not tested on women so like there's all these medications out there that literally haven't been tested on women and women because they have these hormonal changes women actually respond differently to men now like in the u.s they've kind of said we really need to drive this change and in the uk similarly and that's really really exciting but still like (laughs) there's gaps that just need to be filled so it's a very exciting time to be in this area because i think people are like waking up to this but at the same time there's like so much work to be done and how about your marathon journey well your running journey because obviously you've said that it's not just marathons and it's about running in general and having goals right now i just want to get faster than I already at. I just want to run faster. I just want like. Well, your fastest mile or? No, sorry, fastest marathon. Right. Okay. Marathon, like, I mean, obviously, like all different distances, I want to kind of target and like keep doing. But the marathon, I guess, is my primary goal right now. And yeah, I just would love to run faster. And are you doing anything to help that happen? Um, training. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I've learned over the last few years is like I have had a few issues like injuries wise I look back and I think I was just trying to do everything and train crazily while working and I'm now hopefully or I'm learning so much more like I can tell all of our athletes this information and I'm adamant in what they should do but looking at myself I seem to have like something missing in actually translating that information whereas like now I'm hoping that I mean smarter with the whole thing and like understanding that I'm not invincible. <laughs> but I think the key thing is lifestyle management and planning and not being stressed if I'm at work late. And that means that I can't do my run in the evening. Like the world's not going to end. And just like thinking bigger picture has really, really helped me. It's hard though, isn't it? When you are in a training cycle, yeah. At that, at sometimes when everything's a bit overwhelming, you think that that one run yeah. is going to make or it's break the your journey. It's the be yeah. Yeah. And I actually think I had to have like enforced rest. Like in the last year, I actually fell over and broke my elbow, slipping down some marble stairs. It's crazy. Don't walk down marble stairs when your feet are wet. You know, that actually caused me to completely stop. And I think that gave me a lot of time to reflect and think, Hang on, what's important here? Happiness is so important. You're only going to be a good runner if you're happy, I think. Running is how I clear my head. And yes, like, I'll do a hard session and I'll be like, you know, people will say, what do you think about it? And I'm like, getting from here to there as quickly as possible. But it's not all about that. And I think I've got more of an appreciation of that now. Sometimes it can take in an injury or a setback, though, to, for you to understand that. I know I've written and published plenty of features and sometimes I just have not put the advice into practice. Exactly, yeah. And now it's these days that I have this appreciation that my fitness life and my normal life aren't two separate things. Sometimes stepping back and thinking, whoa, what's going on here is the best thing you can do. 
What is kind of your weekly mileage? Hmm. <laughs> so right now it's not that high because I've just been like building up again. But it completely depends. In a marathon build up, I think I've done like one, one week that was like quite a bit, well, definitely over a hundred. Oh my gosh, um, okay. But I, I don't know if that was actually best though in hindsight. Like I do believe that it's all about, obviously like all about balance, but also just that might not be the best for me. Like at Oracle, we look at an individual, or an athlete as an individual. So I think I'm still yet to find what actually is like my optimum. I know some marathon runners, like real elite sub 230 marathon runners would have like a weekly mileage sort of like up to 85, whereas some are like 110, 120. So I think it is like so individual. And finding your find sweet it. spot. Yeah, exactly. And do you think because of your analytical brain and app and research that you are really into finding sweet spots? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I try so and not... it's not just in others, it's like you bring that exactly. into your own life. And I try to be not to overanalyze myself because I know that that's in a way a recipe for disaster. Well, thank you for such a good run chat. That's okay. I am thank definitely having me. I'm definitely going to be downloading Fitter Woman. Thank you. And actually learning more about my menstruation. I've done quite a bit in the past year, but I feel like now tackling it with my fitness lifestyle yeah. is going to be the new thing. Yeah, and so obviously, as I said, like we're now integrated with Strava, which is so exciting. And we've got this big push going with Strava to really help understand women of all types and even around pregnancy and the menopause as well because they're such taboos which there's no advice out for women around them so I feel very strongly about trying to do that as well. So Strava can write data in Fitter Women? Yeah so you, you can link them up basically and then you can view your like menstruation data alongside your Strava data so you can look back and see like okay on day four whatever that's how far I ran and those are the symptoms I experienced and you can like put it into co context and then like pre prepare ahead in advance and yeah, that is helps you train smarter which is a big thing. training smarter love that term yeah. <laughs> so for everyone listening that wants to follow you and find out more about what you do and fitter women where's yes. the best place so um fitter women has both an instagram and a twitter account so it is at fitter women we also have a website www.fitterwomen.com you can find out about it there the app's actually free completely free and me myself i am on twitter and instagram at at g Bruinvals. and what's your next marathon Next marathon, TBD to be decided. Okay, fine. Um, potentially over the next few months, but it depends how things go. So yeah. we, will, we will watch that and try and find you at the starting line. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much, Jordi. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Welfare, your guide to conquering 26.2. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on iTunes. It really does make all the difference. And I and the team read absolutely everything you write, which means the world to us. New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us, and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show. Hold up. 